If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. All right, welcoming back Diana Waters today. And today we're going to talk with Diana about working in walk, which is not something that we often do. We often sort of are in a bit of a hurry to get into trot and canter and jump and everything else. So Diana's going to go through working in walk and she's done a lot of training, French classical dressage. So she's going to use these principles to teach us about working in walk. Now, Diana, are you there? Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me, Glennis. Good to talk to you, Diana. But before we get started, just want to remind people about the mission of International Horse College. And that's to improve the welfare of horses around the world through the safe education of their riders, handlers and trainers. And if you're interested in this mission, which is, you know, about the welfare of horses through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers, then have a look at the wide variety of equine courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Just go there and scroll down to the courses that you're more interested in. Now, Donna, working in walk. We often don't talk about working in walk, do we? We just talk about, right. you know, let's get going in trot and candor and push them forward and now we'll start to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And walks almost becomes a bit of an afterthought that we just don't think of much. So tell me about French classical dressage. How did you become interested in French classical dressage? I think that's a really great mission statement that you've got there and I think oh, it's thanks. really well aligned with, with what we'll be talking about today. So that's good. Good. Um, so I think I, well, I rode as a child, as many of us did, sure. and I just really rode for joy. And I loved horses and riding, and I decided to go and do my instructor training. But I found that somewhere along the line there, I just kind of lost a little bit of the joy. And I found that the work started to become a bit more mechanical, sort of to use increased force. And uh, horses were losing their individuality and joy. So. Once I was qualified, I decided to go and search and see whether there was a better way. And that's when I met Heather Moffitt. So Heather uses French classical methods. So that was my first introduction. And she also specializes in rider position and synchronization. So when I went to watch her ride and train, I saw her and her students just looking absolutely beautiful on these horses. And the horses looked happy and harmonious and they had that same joy that I'd experienced riding as a child both both the horses and the riders so that really attracted me to French classical and I went and did some further training with Heather and I was particularly impacted by the benefits of the walk work that she does and well I was quite amazed by how much it improved the horses in all gates and I experienced something called school walk while I was with Heather. And school walk is a beautiful, lofty, slow motion walk where the rider moves in complete harmony with the horse and influences them using invisible aids. So it really just looks as if the horse and rider are gliding along. And I got to experience that riding one of her school horses. So one of my very favorite things to do while I was at Heather's was to ride one of her horses in school walk and to go through the lateral movements, um, so the leg yield, the shoulder in, travers, half pass, all of those sorts of things. Um, and before, I'd never experienced in this way how you can actually 
just go through those movements without having to think about pushing a leg or correcting with a hand or what you're doing with your your weight or your seat because you're so connected with the horse in the school walk and the horse is so super focused on you that it almost feels like you just think the direction you want to go in and that's where you go. So then I returned to teaching in Australia and tried out the exercises in walk with various horses that I was schooling and started to teach it to my students as well. So really reducing my aids to a whisper and allowing the horse to slow down as much as they needed and to process. And I found that in nearly all the cases, I could see uh, really profound improvements to all of these horses from all walks of life that I was working with. So since then, I've been absolutely passionate about French classical. And it's really the walk work has really underpinned all of the work that I do with horses in various disciplines. Say you've got two friends talking, as you always do, and someone might say, oh, I've heard about Diana Waters. You know, she does a lot of work in French classical dressage and working in walk. But if the next person said, well, what makes this so different? What makes your way of working horses different? You know, is it the connection? Is it something else? How would you explain that? I think a lot of it is, yes, the connection, but a lot of it is about the fact that I meet the horse where they already are. So I really start off by taking off all of the aids, removing all of the pushing and pulling and trying to get the horse to change and just meeting the horse where they are. So I'll typically start with, um, before I even begin work, I start with just checking where I am and making sure that I'm relaxed and smooth in my movement, that I'm breathing, that I'm grounded and regulated. And I always begin walking around with the horse just on a long rein with the in-hand work. So this work is is in-hand and ridden. I usually begin in-hand and just literally walking next to the horse and matching my footfalls to the horse's footfalls and just um, trying to find a place where I feel like I'm in the same place as the horse, not asking the horse to go faster or slower and just meeting the horse where they are. So whereas with um, the way that I was always taught was get on and go, and especially with my instructor training, I was all, you know, you, you sort of get into a lot of trouble if you were seen to be dithering around. So, so, um, yeah, especially yeah. doing some work in, I'll just do some work in hand work first, it would be. Yeah, no, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think that would happen. But even with the rhythm work, we would, um, and sort of in, especially in, obviously exams are a very tricky situation because the examiner needs to see what you can do in a short space of time. So it's yeah. a very artificial situation. But I think because of that, you ended up sort of it sort of filtered down to the lessons as well where you would get on you might do a half a round of walk and then you'd be expected to trot off and be working your horse so my approach just slows things right down um, starts with connection and self-awareness starts with meeting the horse and then you actually see a shift in the horse when they realize you're not going to start bossing them around straight away you see them start to open up a little bit and then you can start to make little suggestions so the way that you ask is different because you make a suggestion. Like you might say, can you bend towards me a little bit this way? And then you give the horse time to process. So if the horse doesn't do it, you don't get after them. and say, come on, I ask for this. You give them a little bit more time. And then when they do do it, they actually get to experience how it feels in their body. And you can see that. And that's part of the reason why it makes such profound differences. Because if what you've shown them has helped them, they start to realize that you're helping them to to move in a way that feels nice so then they start to become super focused on you and that's when you start to be able to use those really subtle 
AIDS and things like that. So interestingly, since I started working in this way, I have never encountered a lazy horse again. So often the first session will be very, very slow with a horse that's sort of previously been labelled as lazy, but usually quite quickly towards the end of the session. And we do a lot of stretching as well. So I'll ask for something and then I'll release and allow the horse to stretch. But towards the end of the session, you'll find the horse is suddenly, uh, despite sort of being allowed to slow down or even asked to slow down, suddenly they're wanting to go more forward. And that's partly because you've taken the pressure off and partly because when the body is aligned, it's able to move more forward and to flow a lot better. Yeah. yeah. So obviously you're finding a lot of benefits of working your horse in walk. You know, and I know you've talked a lot about the benefits, but not specifically clarifying. Have you got set benefits if you were talking to someone to say, well, the benefits of the horse are this, you know, just so they can sort of understand because different people are going to get different benefits. You know, so say someone who's too scared to canter, you know, too scared to trot, like they don't feel comfortable. This would obviously be good for them to build up their confidence. But do you have like a list of benefits if you were talking to different groups of people that you could clarify there? Yeah, so I think, as you say, the, the benefits are far-reaching and there's probably sort of more than I could go on for hours about this. But I can, <laughs> Obviously very passionate, yeah. <laughs> I can summarise it in five points, I think. Okay, that'd so, be great, yep. The first one is that it improves confidence. And when I was listening to your bit about um, what, what you were aiming with, with what yep, you do, yep, yep. the safety, and I think confidence comes into safety a lot. So... When I said about the confidence, I was thinking about the rider, but then I thought actually the horse as well, because um, by slowing things down and allowing time to process, it allows the horse and the rider to address any of their fears and also to stay well within the threshold, well, well under the threshold of being afraid. So working in walk and especially starting from the ground as well, you build the connection and you can try little things in a way that doesn't feel unsafe. So if you wanted to try something new when you're in trot or canter and it's not working and you make a mistake, that could turn into a dangerous situation. But in the walk, there's so much time for you to see if something is working or not. And both the rider and the horse having confidence really deepens the connection as well. And it um, allows for a bit more of an open conversation because you're not going to shut down the horse's behaviour in walk. You're going to allow them to try a few things that you might not allow them to try and trot. <laughs> so um, the second one is gentle on the body. Again, this applies to riders and horses. Now, is that for the horse or is that for the rider? But you're clarifying it's for both, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Talking about the rider first, there are a lot of people who, especially maybe if you've had an accident or you've recently had children, which can cause problems with confidence but also you can lose a lot of your core strength from that people want to go back and do something meaningful with their horse but they don't want or, or they're not able anymore to be doing a lot of sitting trot and canter for dressage or jumping things like that and it can be disheartening because you can feel like well i don't just want to sort of poodle around i still want to do something really meaningful so this work is extremely meaningful for a horse working at any level. So I'd recommend this for top level show jumpers and dressage horses as well, or, or any other discipline that you're doing, because it impacts the quality of your work. So it's gentle on the human body. Um, it's also gentle on the horse's body. So for example, if a horse has had a lameness and is coming back from lameness, 
and you're not sure you know that the horse needs to be exercised but you don't want to cause them to go backwards it's obviously it's very slow it's very low impact unlike a trot or a canter because there's no suspension in the walk so there's no damage or wear and tear being caused for the walk work and it's also again because of the way that we do it and we ask for a little everything is small so it's always less is more so you ask for maybe a little bit of shoulder in if the horse can't manage that they have the opportunity to say no because you're using light aids so you can really keep a track of what the horse can and can't manage and as i said before when the horse feels good in their body they actually ask for more of it so the horse has a little bit of um, ownership on what they're doing and what feels good in their body and what's benefiting their body so it's incredibly gentle on the body and it's incredibly good for a horse that needs to be rehabilitated or even an older horse that needs to be exercised my third point is uh my third benefit is creates lightness and responsiveness to aids so i had a real rethink about aids recently because i realized that for some people aids are seen as a motivation so you increase the pressure of your leg aids to motivate the horse to go and then you take the leg aid off when the horse goes to reward them for going so so the um the application of the leg aid needs to be strong enough that the horse kind of wants to make it stop but i see aids in a bit of a different way i think that if you can and this is something that i'm also quite interested in if you can get a horse to be motivated in the work for its own sake then you can use an aid for a communication rather than a motivation and that's why your mm. aid can be much lighter the aids are supposed to be to communicate with the horse yes. but yes sometimes it's like instead of whispering it's shouting isn't it exactly you know, yes it is super important that we and i think for some people they haven't thought about that and they do use aids as a motivation and then for some people they are using them as communication so we want to use them for communication if you use a strong age of any sort so people often think about rain aids as being too strong but leg aids also can be too strong even a squeeze can be too strong so if you use an aid that's strong enough to make the horse brace against it. So, for example, if you use a strong spur aid and the horse braces their sides against that, that causes tension throughout the whole body. So if the horse has any tension in any part of the body, then the body doesn't work as well as a system. The, the muscles in the body are all, all linked, so they all impact one another. So when I use my leg aid, often... If you watch really closely, often when you ask people, see people asking their horse to walk on, you see just a little jolt before the horse goes as the rider applies the leg. Even if it's quite a light age, for some horses, they're so sensitive that that touch of the leg causes them to brace their sides for a moment. And that impacts the transition and it can impact the rest of the work as well because it's causing bracing in the whole body. So with this way, beginning from the ground and showing the horse lighter aids and then even decreasing the pressure of the aid even more until you can find the point where the horse isn't quite sure whether you've asked or not that causes the horse to relax their body physically but it also causes the horse to listen so i don't know i used to be a school teacher as well and i discovered that whispering is more effective than shouting mm-hmm. with school children yeah because when you shout, they shut it out. And when you whisper, 
they think, what sh- what's she saying? It's all that, like, the moving in, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and it creates a whole, but again, they have to be motivated. So it's the yeah. same with the horses. If you can get that motivation and then combine it with just whispering, then you have this super focused, beautiful connection where you can really influence your horse. And also we can now start to bring in the joy as well mm. because it's easy and you don't need to be strong or fit and your horse doesn't need to be strong or fit to be able to move together in this beautiful, easy way. So I used to think I'm never going to be a good rider because I've got really short legs and I'm not very strong. I'm quite skinny. So I thought I'm never going to be a good rider. But actually, you can do everything with really light aids. And when you do, it's really beneficial. I actually saw um, there's a really wonderful para rider, Sharon Jarvis. I don't know if you've heard of her okay, yep. in Australia. I watched her ride once at a coach's convention. And she was the most beautiful rider and her horse just went so, so beautifully. And I think it was because she has very little strength in her legs. So she's had to learn to use those really light aids. And her horse, in responding to the light aids, is able to feel really free and soft and fluid because there was no bracing. And I thought, actually, we've all, we've all got a lot to learn from that. So... Creating that lightness and responsiveness to AIDS is just a really fundamental thing in French classical dressage that, that makes the horse go in that beautiful and more joyful way and also just makes it nicer, nicer for everybody. So my fourth benefit, I put improves balance, posture and self-carriage. I'm um, going to say this is for both, isn't it? Because, you know, balance, yes, posture, yeah. self-carriage, that's what you want for both. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And actually, when I teach this, it might sound funny, but I do teach people without the horse to walk around the arena and go through the lateral movements. And then I ask them to slow the walk and then I ask them to slow it a bit more. And often people find, suddenly realize that they actually find it really hard to walk slow and they find it hard to balance doing the lateral movements in a slow walk. Because oh, when you're walking slowly, you have to pause as you transfer the weight so if you're trotting or and we see this a lot with horses trained using other methods that when you're trotting often someone will say come on ride him forwards and he'll get straighter and um even even our um scales of training sort of say say that i think we have um can't remember the exact terminology but straightness comes quite far up after some of the others and um i think the problem is that when you ride the horse forward to create straightness what you're actually doing is using momentum to help the horse to travel more straight but you're not addressing the underlying issues which are causing the horse to be crooked so every horse is um, like a person usually right or left-handed so horses are usually left bent or right bent just naturally and when we train them we try to start to straighten them out a little bit so that they can carry us more efficiently and, and more healthily but if you have a horse that is left bent and you correct their crookedness so a left bent horse will tend to fall out on the left rein and they'll fall in on the right rein so often if you're on the right rein and the horse is falling in and you are trotting you might use more inside leg to push the horse out and ask the horse to go a little bit more forward and you'll see a horse that looks a little bit straighter but you haven't actually addressed the crookedness in their body you're just kind of holding them there with your inside leg so you haven't actually um, created self-carriage there or 
corrected the underlying problem. You might see a little bit of an improvement, but the problem is always going to be there. But what we do with this walk method is that we will come back in the walk, we will slow the walk on the right rein, and we'll start to ask the horse to do exercises which ask them to bend just a tiny bit to the right. So what we're wanting to do is to stretch the muscles along the left side of the horse because they're contracted and that's what's causing the crookedness. So on the right rein, we would ask for, start with a little bit of leg yield to give them the idea of moving away. And then we'd ask for just a tiny bit of shoulder in or even shoulder forward, just as much as the horse can manage. Um, and what will usually happen if you've already connected and slowed the horse is that when you first ask, they'll hesitate. So this is another reason why we don't push them on and ask them to go, because as they hesitate, they're feeling in their body, this feels different. So you allow them to experience that, and then they'll relax a little. Those muscles on the outside will stretch just a little, and they'll discover that they can bend a little bit in this direction that they haven't been able to bend before. And then you allow them to stretch. And during that time, they process. And then you pick up and ask again. And the second time, they feel a little bit more confident. And they say, oh, yeah, okay, that felt good last time. Let's try again. Yeah, yeah, and then you yeah. gradually, gradually sort of build it up. So it's also, I could give endless examples and I'm not going to get carried away. But you can also <laughs> We can always come back for another chat. You know, you, let's just do the five for now. But yes, we can always chat about yeah. it some more. And I'm sure there's lots of variations. Diana, yeah. each time you come on, it's not the same thing just again and again. You know, you're always bringing something interesting and different. And I think that just shows, you know, wide experience and it gives our listeners, you know, just the ability to go through and, and do a search to do something, you know, about they can search for walk and your name's going to come up, you know, just to do a search on horse chats, that is. Yeah, so it's great that you're doing this big variety of stuff. So, yeah, anyway, keep going because we want to hear about the last one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I think that on what you just said, for me, yeah. the, the horse is my teacher. So I've got lots of wonderful teachers. I've had wonderful teachers right from the start. All types of different teachers that have taught me all different things. But the horse is the one that gives me that yes. honest feedback as to what yeah. does and doesn't work. And, and different and every time. Next yeah. year, I'll probably have like something to be different that I'm talking about as well. But there are some of these things which just sort of build and grow. But yeah, so going back to finishing off that that fourth point, what I was just going to say was that the um, we talked about the straightness and the self-carriage a little bit. And self-carriage is one of those things which some people are a little confused about what it really means. For me, it just means the horse being able to carry themselves. So being yeah. able to move without the support of a rider's leg or a rider's hand holding them in a certain way. So... For that, it doesn't necessarily mean that the horse is beautifully on the bit or going in an advanced train, but it does mean that whatever, I want this right from the very start. So whatever you're asking the horse to do is something that they're able to do and something that they can do by themselves, which is hugely beneficial for their confidence as well. So um, we talked about the, the straightness and the self-carriage, but also I just wanted to do a word about the vertical balance as well and the vertical alignment so I believe it's really important for horses to learn to come off the forehand in order to carry a rider because well I liken it to um, when you start a new job and it's a job that involves heavy lifting hopefully you get taught how to lift correctly so you get taught to bend the knees and keep the back straight and that protects you from injury 
and you learn that before you even start. But I think it's funny, often in riding, when we start a young horse, we get on it without having taught at all how to come off the forehand. And um, being on the forehand puts a huge amount of pressure on, on the joints of front legs and on the horse's body in general, and it creates wear and tear right from the very start. So I teach the horse, as part of the in-hand work, I teach the horse to begin to come off the forehand. So I do that in the same sort of way. So often things like shoulder in create a natural position in bringing the inside hind under the centre of balance naturally brings the weight back a little bit. And in order to carry out that movement, the horse discovers that they need to lift and come off the forehand. In order for that to happen, they also need to be soft through their whole body. And we often see a lot of tension in the horse's neck area and the muscles of the neck so I do you touch as well in holts to begin with I touch and massage very gently fingertip massage the neck and find the areas that are that are hard and tense and I'll bend the horse a little towards me just a fraction so it's all very very subtle until I feel a release so that right from the beginning I can then start to use the shoulder in and especially the rein back as well to bring the horse up off the forehand um, which is what I'm talking about when I talk about yep. balance. So the fifth and final point is that it makes impactful and lasting improvements to straightness and alignment, creating a horse that is more healthy, happy, strong and forward. So I suppose in a way that's really a summary of all, all the points that go before. But um, there's so many examples that I've noticed from doing this work with my horses or horses that have been in my care I've leased a few horses and helped other people or trained other people's horses and some of the things that I've come across is horses with extremely I worked with an old horse that had a very saggy back probably due to Cushing's had a lot of muscle wastage so some might call it a sway back but I'm not sure whether that would be the official diagnosis but he had a very saggy back and probably was developing kissing spines and I did in-hand work with him for a month and the back straightened out very dramatically. But the interesting thing was that when I stopped working with him and he's retired now, he maintained the correct alignment in his oh, back. Good. We never good. That's just one. There's lots of examples I have. I've got examples of horses that have become, uh, that were very crooked in the hind end. I've got a, a mare who had quite bad cow horn and also very asymmetrical. She actually straightened out within a week. And it's really, the problem was really caused by tension in her hamstrings, I think, but also really linked to tension in her neck muscles. And she had had some issues with her hooves previous to that, which had made her move in quite a defensive way. So when I showed her how to move correctly, immediately she felt the benefit in her body and she then chose to move that way. That's what I mean when I say that the improvements are, are long lasting. Once a horse feels the benefit in their body, they choose to continue to move in that way. But also, um, I, I don't compete. But if you are wanting better performance from your horse, the fact that they are aligned correctly and moving correctly in their body is really fundamental to improving that performance. So going back to the example of the lazy horse, I always liken it to a garden hose that has a kink in it. So... If you turn on the water a little bit, it won't go through because it's blocked by the kink. So you could turn on the water really hard and it might burst through and straighten the kink and then the water will come through. That would be similar to trotting a horse more forward to get them straight. But what I actually do is I unkink the hose first. 
So I, in the slow walk, I realign the body and there's not going to be any pain or discomfort while I'm doing that because the horse is not trying to push into something that's crooked. So if I have a horse that's crooked and I ask them to push more with the hind leg, but the front end is crooked, that means the energy can't really flow. The spine is not aligned and the energy can't really flow through. So it can get stuck. And if you really keep pushing, the horse will try their hardest and they'll really push with their hind legs and they'll try to go more forward. And they may sort of get to a sort of feel a little bit straighter, like the, the hose of the kink where you blew the water through. Yeah, potentially might even solve the problem doing that. But you do risk causing damage along the way. And you will tend to get a horse, if they've experienced pain through being pushed when there's a blockage, they will get that kind of lazy mindset. Whereas if you allow the horse to flow right down and you unkink the hose and you straighten until everything lines up, then they discover that, we're, and we're talking about in terms of left and right straightness, as well as in terms of coming off the forehand and dropping the haunches. So once all of the balance is just right and everything lines up, all you need to do is release. And it's such a beautiful feeling because the first time you release a horse into trot that was previously lazy and slow, you've straightened them up using all the walk, walk work, and then you ask them to trot and they realize that they can move. And you just see this. It's beautiful and it really is impulsion and it makes you realize what impulsion really is because the impulsion is coming from the energy just flowing through in perfect alignment through the whole of the horse so the horse moves as one beautiful beautiful flowing unit that all moves in sync um, i love the way that you explain that with the hose you know the kink in the hose and getting rid of the kink don't just turn the hose on and force your way through but let's just get that sorted first yeah yeah, yeah. So, Diana, how can people learn more about this? So, if you go to my website, www.thepowerofwalk.com, or you can visit my Facebook page, which is Diana Waters Responsive Equine, or my YouTube channel. And on Facebook and YouTube, I've got a lot of free resources, which just give you an idea of some of the things I do. So, you can see some videos which show me working with various horses, and I've also got some short educational videos which explain how to do some of those things. Now, Diana, your YouTube channel, is that Diana Waters or Responsive Equine? Um, Responsive Equine, yeah. And we'll make sure that we get the correct details as well. We'll put them down the bottom of the page and that'll be at horsechats.com. It'll be slash Diana Waters, whatever, whatever chat we're up to. But if people want to know more, they can search horsechats.com for either Diana or Waters, and they'll come up with all those all those chats. But before we finish, Diana, what else haven't I asked you about using walk and all French classical dressage? Is there anything else that you'd like to say as a bit of a summary? I think people are very afraid of the walk. Definitely, because we're always taught to just move the horse forward, get the trot established, get the canter going, and don't interrupt with the walk. And I think that's more the tenseness in the walk. You know, you're trying to push the horse in walk too much and they end up getting a lateral gait or, you know, that pacing. It just doesn't work. But the way you've explained it here, you're not saying let's get the walk and push it along and try for an extended walk before the horse is ready. You're saying, no, we're getting rid of the tension and we're doing, it's, it's different training in the walk that you're talking about, not just the normal let's get the walk moving and, and let's get it going quickly. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that I was taught, don't work the walk because you can ruin it. Once yes. you ruin the walk, it's 
as if yep. to get it back. Yep. It's like you were saying about you can create, if you create tension in the walk, you can create a lateral walk, mm. which is very bad. I think the most important thing if you are trying this at home is to let go of the idea of pushing from leg to hand because that's where you can start to get those problems such as a lateral walk. Um, this walk work is about removing all of the aids first and you only use leg without hand or hand without leg. You don't use the two together and all of the aids need to be light. So I always say if you discover that or if you find that suddenly you notice that there's some leaning, you can feel a horse leaning on your hands or you notice that your leg aids have got stronger, I always say remove your aids and go, don't worry that that's happened because it will happen. We're all human. But remove your aids and go back to synchronization. So go back to moving with the horse without influencing them. And then from that synchronization, you can start to ask for things again. But the walk must never be held. Even when you're asking for the walk to slow down, some horses aren't comfortable with slowing the walk yet, in which case you allow them to go whatever speed they want. You can suggest for them to slow down every so often, but if they don't want to, you don't force them to and you don't hold them there. Everything has to be with the horse's consent and in a way that makes the horse feel comfortable. And then you absolutely can't ruin anything if you work in that way. All right. Now, just to do with your contact, if people would like to contact you, we've talked about your Facebook and your YouTube channel, but they can contact you through there. Is that the best way or would you like me to um, record your email and phone on the page as well? Yeah, I've got a number of different emails, so I'm struggling to think which one to give you, but maybe I'll just give you those details um, yep. and so you can put them on the page. Perfect. We'll do that. All right, Diana, again, thank you very much. Thank you for your chat. Thank you for bringing in all of these extra bits and expertise into the channel. So thanks very much and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.